Father, thank you for this day and for all of your love and blessings. Thank you that you are with us. Never leave us or forsake us. Thank you that we are who you say we are. We thank you, Lord, that you love us and you're with us and you're feeding us today your pure manna from heaven, the word of God. Thank you for helping us to stay on course, to protect that seed and cause it to take root and bear fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Look back in Hebrews, all the way near the back. The only thing prior to that is Jude, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Peter, and James, and Hebrews. <laughs> Hebrews 13, last page of Hebrews, how's that? And 20. This is a word that's been spoken over me in my life more than once by people that I knew heard God. And I just want to speak it over you today and talk about it a little bit. Starting verse 20 of Hebrews chapter 13. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Now that is a lot packed into that. But first of all, I like the fact that he just says that God is the God of peace. He's not the God of turmoil and strife and bitterness and unforgiveness, poverty and sickness. He's the God of peace. This shalom, which in Hebrew is an overall wellness and goodness. You see? Not just for the, for the mental, but an overall well-being. Spiritually, physically financially and that's who he is and he did bring Jesus from back from the dead you know he had a testimony yesterday at the army meeting that uh, one of the minister's mother had led one of her friends from the, the YMCA or whatever the swimming for the uh, elderly women the aerobics or whatever they do in the water and in the parking lot she, she led a, a, a Hindu lady uh, to uh, or a Buddhist, a Buddhist to Christ, right there in the parking lot. She told her, "Christ, Buddha didn't die for you, and Buddha's still dead. Jesus died for you, and He's alive, and that's the truth. And He is the great Shepherd of the sheep. He's watching over us. He's never. He's always with us. I tell my little granddaughter every day." Jesus loves you. She told me yesterday morning, I love God. He's the best. Two years old. And I tell her, Jesus loves you. He's always with you. He's always... She took me outside the, day, the other day. Tavani was standing there watching me. And she came to get me. The baby did. Tavani was watching. She, she knew what she was, gonna, she was coming to get me for. She grabbed my hand. I was sitting on the couch. She said, come on, Papa. I said, where are we going? She said, I said, I'm sitting here. She goes, come on, come on. And Tavana's like, she's trying to show you something. And I said, what are we doing? 
And she goes, we're looking for God. She took me outside and she's like, God, God. And I said, sweetie, he's here. He's everywhere. He's always with you. He's watching over you. He loves you. And you know, sometimes we just need to get back to the children's books. You know, sometimes the best place I can go is just Jesus loves me. I sing that song because it just reignites and reminds me to get back into that childlike faith, which is what is so pleasing in his sight, as well as the things that uh, he calls for from women. But he, he loves that. But it's praying here that the God of peace who brought Jesus from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant. You know, we are in covenant with God. Now, in a, in a time and place in world history, and nation especially, where covenants don't mean much to people, they should. Because, for example, the covenant of marriage. You know, they people say it all the time. Oh, well, 50-50 divorce rate in the church is like in the world, so... Well, it doesn't matter if a Christian, if you're a Christian, you belong in church just like a car belongs in a garage, but it doesn't make you a Christian being in the church just like being in a, if I stood in the garage, it wouldn't make me a car. But people in relationship with God should understand that that's a total surrender to that relationship. Just he has done to us. You know, there's a book in the Bible called Hosea about a prophet named Hosea and God made him go and marry a prostitute. Don't ever marry a woman named Gomer. <laughs> but God had him do that. And she came and married him. And, and then she decides she didn't like the preacher's life and she wanted to go back to the world and she did. She heard him and she went back and Hoard herself more, and God made him go get her again and bring her back into his home. And she gave him children. And, but the whole thing was type and shadow, just like everything is in the Old Testament. It was God was showing Israel how he felt being so in love with them and how mistreated he was by them. Them being a picture of Gomer, the wife, who had hoard herself, and he just continued to love her. And he was actually love sick for her. And he was just telling us, I love you unconditionally, and I continue to come and get you, but look how you treat me. And you should be in that covenant relationship. It should mean something to you. And especially now as New Covenant believers, this whole book of Hebrews, you know what the, the key word to this entire book of Hebrews is? Better. Because it's specifying all of the covenants of the Old Covenant, of the Old Testament that God has made with man and with Israel. And it's showing... And, and he's wrapping it all up each time saying, we have a better covenant. We have a better covenant. We don't have to sacrifice animals anymore. 
at the altar because Jesus was that sacrificial lamb for us. One time, forever, never again is there a sacrifice that has to be made because He did it all for us. So our sins are forgiven, past, present, and future because of one blood sacrifice made by Jesus Christ. We have a better covenant now with better promises than anyone who was looking forward to the Christ coming and having to go through the motions of a type and shadow of the covenant just to stay in good standing with God to show they were standing in faith looking forward to the Christ that would come. Now we have He has come and we have Him. Now, the Holy of Holies, you know, they had the, the outer court, the inner court, the, the holy place and the Holy of Holies and the temple of God. It was all just a type and shadow of salvation. Of, and, and now the, 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 there was a curtain, a big tall curtain. Remember the curtain was torn from bottom, from top to bottom, sorry, right. which couldn't be done by anything. It was done by God when Jesus made a way for us into back into relationship with God. And now the place where only one priest could go once a year if he was sinless had a rope tied around his leg in case he approached God with sin in his life they'd have to drag him out dead because no one could go in after him now the, the veil which is the curtain of the tent of Jesus' body has been torn and now we can approach God you and me because we're that priest we are that priest you're that priest. You're that priest. I'm that priest forever in the order of Melchizedek, which is never ending, that God looks upon and sees as holy. Why? Because it's been accounted to you for what Jesus has done. You are credited with everything that He has accomplished on, on our behalf. Now when God sees you and you have by faith accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He sees you as pure gold. Now you can walk right into that place where no one could ever go except one priest once a year if he was in right standing with God. You can run in there every day no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, right to, into the throne room of grace that you might obtain mercy and find favor in the time of need. Do you know how long these priests, just the Levitical priesthood, longed to be able to go into that Holy of Holies? Much less the people who never could. Now you can anytime you want. The Holy of Holies is right here inside of you. That is your spirit, your born-again spirit. The Spirit of God, the Kingdom of God is in you. And you have to draw on that in order to benefit from that. Those who walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh, there is no condemnation. Amen. Is it possible for a born-again Christian to walk after the flesh? Yes, it is. <laughs> we know that, don't we? we? We tend to slip up and do that from time to time. It's a choice now. The devil didn't make us do it. 
He might try, but there's nothing compelling us because we have the holy of holies in us. We do not have the corrupted spirit of Satan inside of us anymore. That's been removed. Now we're in a covenant with God. We are married to the Lamb of God. He loves us. He gave His life for us. And now, He will never leave us or forsake us. And look, look at Second Peter, just a few pages further than where we were. Second Peter, just the opening in, 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 first, in the first chapter. I know you're looking on the device. Some of so. Second Peter, and look at just the the, uh, the opening remarks. Look, start at the second. Well, let's start at the first because this is Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. So Peter is writing this. This is his last letter to us. It says to to and, and I like, I wanted to start here because it says to to who to whom he is talking to. To those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. The King James says, like precious faith. In other words, by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Because of His righteousness, you have, just like Peter, just like Paul, just like James, received the same faith that they had. This is Peter. Who people used to come from everywhere and lay lay their sick in the streets so that when he walked by on his way to church, his shadow might fall on them because why? It would heal them. You have the same faith as Peter, like precious faith, same, same portion. The measure of faith, not one measure for you, another measure for others. Now we have learn that we have to practice our faith. We have to use it. It's like a muscle to get our mind on the Lord and not on the world, not on the flesh. We have to operate out of that holy of holies. The Spirit of God within us in order to benefit from all the things that are in us. We're spirit, soul, and body. First Thessalonians 5.23 says we are three-part beings. Now, the Spirit of God has everything of God. The soul is our mind, our will, and emotions, and this is where we struggle. Because this flesh is only doing what we tell it to. But the things in the Spirit, the provision of God, the protection and power of God, the healing of God, have to come through the soulish realm to get to the body, the flesh, the natural realm. So we have to get this in agreement with this. Because the soul is the conduit from the spirit to the body, to the natural. That's why people aren't receiving all the things that the Bible says that they have. And it's not they're not believing that they are who it says they are. The fact 
And it's just complicating things and making it worse that they don't believe because the unbelief is hindering what little faith they're trying to use. Right here, Peter goes on to say, second verse, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. The fact that he said it means it is a possibility. Grace is the power of God to be and to do all that he has called us to be and to do. And peace is something that we all aware of what that is. It's a rest, even in the midst of a storm. So grace and peace can be multiplied to us, but it's in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So people say the word is not important. It is more important than ever. The world is out there. The devil is actively trying to convince our youth to believe on Jesus, to like Jesus, but not this word. And if he can get them to do that, which he has done many, 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 then he can get them to create a God or Jesus of their imagination and to be forever condemned to hell. You see? That's universalism. Because what people that say that believe in Jesus but not the Bible, they'll tell you there's no real hell. They'll tell you that they're fine because they're basically a good person. They have all sorts of ways of factoring it all out. But we know that it is not within man to direct his own steps. And if they try, it will always end up in a mess. Peter says in verse 3, His, Jesus, divine power has granted to us, that's past tense, it's done, it's accomplished, has granted to us all things. You know what that means in the Greek? All things. That pertain to life and godliness. How did He do this? Through the knowledge of Him. That's how we partake. Through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises. So that through them, through what? What has He granted to us? His great and precious promises. So that, there's a, there's a semicolon, so it's going on to explain what it just said. So that through them, meaning the promises, through the promises, you may become partakers of the divine nature. How many of you want to be more like Jesus? It's saying here that we get that through the promises of God. And through them we may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. How many of you know when we live in the Holy of Holies... Where we are free to go anytime. All this place that everybody always desired all their life to be able to go and couldn't. We can go anytime we want. And in that place, our mind is free of sinful desires. Because all of our sin starts right here between our ears with a thought that's in the soulish realm. But when we bypass that and go into the Holy of Holies, and I recommend... If you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you do not actively pray in tongues, you are missing out. You are missing out. 
because it may take you hours to pray and to get past your flesh and get into the to the spirit praying in your natural tongue but when you pray in the spirit it will usher you right into the presence of God for this reason make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, strengthening, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what's he saying here? He's saying it's your job to do all these things. What he's saying is it's your job to practice them. Because inside of you is the mind of Christ in that holy of holies. In your born again spirit. Turn over to Galatians 5. Help us explain it better. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. So it's Galatians after Corinthians. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, I think. Fingers are sticky today. Huh? Galatians 5. Twenty-two. We'll start there. Yeah, Tavana's saying one of the first things that she did her project when we got born again for church was so she created a fruit of the spirit calendar. Everybody loved that. Galatians five twenty-two. But the fruit of the spirit. Now, is the where's the spirit? Is he in you? Have you been born again? You receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You have a way to draw out from that well. But the inside of you is all of the fruit of the Spirit. Because that's a capital S. The Holy Spirit who dwells in you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Lord's been dealing with me about that. Some things that are trying to come against my body. And I believe God for healing. I believe that He has healed us. And that we just need to protect what He's already given us. We're not trying to get healing just like we're not trying to get saved. We're already saved. We're blessed. We're healed. We're prosperous. And we just need to protect those things and agree with those things that are in our spirit. And through our mind and will and emotions, our soulish realm, draw them out. So that we can benefit from them in the natural. And the Lord has been showing me, hey, there's, I'm, you're healed. And I'm healing you. And you keep sabotaging Everything that I do, you've got to do your part. There's things that the Holy Spirit has led us or tried to lead us into regarding our bodies, our finances, our relationships for years. And we've been sabotaging his efforts all along the way. And we create such a mess over a long period of time. And then we go, oh, Lord, why have you done this to me? Why have you let this come upon me? And the Holy Spirit saying, why haven't you been trusting me? I've been trying to lead you around this. I've been trying to keep you from this. You're the one that did it. God never took your free will. 
He wants you to agree with Him and trust Him because of Him. So He's been showing me those things. So I, that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm doing my part. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do everything I can. Holy Spirit, help me. Forgive me. Of course, you've already forgiven me. But when we confess our sins, it re- renews our conscience. You know? So Lord, I'm, I, I see where I've been off track and I've been having doing my part. He'll lead us into practical steps, natural steps sometimes, to keep ourselves in position to receive the spiritual. Amen. Because when we're doing other things, we're opening doors for the devil. The devil's over there going, see, see, he agrees with me, not you. (laughs) You get my point. But inside of us, we have these things. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, or temperance and meekness. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And then it goes on, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. I've had people disagree with me about that. Not understanding what the grace of God is or what the the call of Christians is. If If you truly love someone, will you just condone and protect them in their sin or would you gently try to restore them and point them back to Jesus? <laughs> but the fruit of the Spirit is in us. All the peace, love, and joy that we're always praying for and hoping for, it's already in us and all we need to do is agree. We need to get into an apostolic atmosphere in our lives, in our church, in our relationships, and we need to believe the things that God has said about us and for us and speak them into the atmosphere and create our futures, create our present by inviting Him in and agreeing with who He is and what He has said about us through the promises of God. There is a promise, something God has said to someone, a benefit In this word that he has done for someone. And don't you know that it teaches us in this word that he is no respecter of persons. What's that mean? He doesn't hold anyone in higher regard than he does you regarding his truth and his promises and his protection and his provision. So if he did it for one, he'll do it for you. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. And what we need to do, we say, well, I sure hope so. Well, that's not hope. Christian hope is a confident expectation of good from God. We need to know so. Once we admit that we know so, we will say so. And then we will see so. (laughs) I wasn't trying to be funny. That just came out. But it makes sense, doesn't it? If we know so, we'll say so, and then we'll see so. (laughs) We'll see what He has said And we will draw it out of this spiritual holy of holies into the natural realm where we can benefit from it in this week now and now. Because that is God's desire for us. Look in Ephesians, the first chapter. 
We just new covenant believers today. We are blood-bought children of God. That blood has obtained for us an eternal destination, a home in heaven with God. And the protection of God in this life and benefits and blessing and power and provision. Ephesians 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. Not going to bless us if we behave. This is not conditional. It's conditioned on what Jesus has already done. That's why it's already been done and already accounted to our account. Has blessed us in Christ. That's how we were blessed. It's done through Christ. That's why we have to understand that we are seated right now with Christ in heavenly places. And He is in us here. Has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. People say, well, that's spiritual. See, that's in heaven. No. In heavenly places just means that He is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And He is in us and we are in Him. And in the Holy of Holies, the Spirit of God which is in us, we have every spiritual blessing on account. And we can make withdrawal from that account at any time, never diluting or diminishing the account one drop. But we can make as many withdrawals as we want and we do it by by using the faith that God has given us to reach in and grab, take hold of the things that He has provided by grace and draw them out through our soulish realm by speaking and agreeing and believing the things that we already have Believe that what we pray for, we have when we pray and we shall have it. What's that mean? By acknowledging and knowing that the promises of God are true, the provision of God is real and it is already in us. We don't have to wait for it to come down from heaven. It is already here and we just need to make a withdrawal by believing and getting it through this soulish realm. Believing and willing it into the present where we can use it in the in this natural realm where we can benefit from it today in our bodies, in our finances, in our relationships, and in every other thing that God has called us to do. Third John, way back in the back, Third John is a, a one-page letter. Just like Second John, really. But Third John 2... Because it's only one chapter, you just say the verse. Third John, verse 2. Beloved, I pray above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health even as thy soul prospers. Do you see the correlation there? First of all, seeing that, comforting, isn't it? Because it's God's will that we, be, that we prosper in every way and that we be in good health. But look at the correlation between uh, that and the soulish realm. Even as thy soul prospers. He's not saying if you're good and your soul does good, then I'll, be- I'll bless you with benefits. No. He's saying there's a correlation between the blessing that he's already bestowed on us. Why? Because where is it? In the spirit. Where does he want it to benefit us? He wants us to be to be blessed, to be healthy and prosperous. 
That means in this life, in this natural realm, in this natural body. And he's saying it will bless you and it will you will walk in that healing and you will walk in that prosperity if your soul is allowed to prosper. How will our soul prosper? By being in agreement with what's in our spirit and that way drawing it through the from the spirit through the soul into the body. Amen. That's powerful. All the promises contain the provision if we will speak it into the apostolic atmosphere that we have created to see those things come to pass that God has told us and promised for us by speaking them, believing them, and not settling for anything less, not undoing it by the things that we do and say. Psalm 89, he says, I will not change nor alter the word that comes out of my mouth. There in him there is no shadow or turning. He is not going to change his mind regarding you. He loves you. He's paid the price for you. He has made the provision for you. And he is just waiting for you to enjoy it. You can't go and prosper others unless you prosper yourself. That's why when we talk about the help, the healing, empowerment, love, and prosperity, which is the acronym for this church, we always talk about ourselves first. Not because we're selfish, but for the same reason when you're on an airplane and that oxygen mask drops down, which will never happen to any of us in Jesus' name, they tell you to take care of yourself first so that you will be able to help others. And that's what we're trying to do here. Because I'm telling you, the body of Christ in general is very sick and very malnourished regarding the truths that you've heard here today. You say, well, that's just so Pastor Will. No, it's the Spirit of God speaking through me. It is God talking to you and telling you, just you few sheep, just like David I feel sometimes, out watching those few sheep in the pasture. But God has a powerful plan. And if, and if with, with just a few people, Jesus turned over all of his authority and power and provision in this earth to start off with. And those disciples, like you were saying, they, they didn't quite get it at first. But just in a few short years, those, those people turned the world right side up. And if the fire can be ignited in us, we can do the same thing. If you're hearing this message somewhere around the world today in June of 2019 or any time in the future, if this word is now for you, right now, and if it can ignite a fire in your heart, in your mind, to draw those things out which are already on account for you in your spirit, you can do everything and more that Jesus did. And everything that God has called you to be and to do, you will be and do. In Jesus' name. You know, people look in the characters of the Bible and they see some that were really wonderful. Samuel is, comes to mind. Samuel and Jesus, they were perfect. You know, and I'm sure that Samuel wasn't, but we don't see any of his faults. He was just a really great man of God, a prophet of God. We see people like that who are just wonderful and 
But God loved and called people of great faith, people that weren't so perfect like that. One of Jesus' great-grandmothers was Rahab, a prostitute. And David. People look at David and they say, but he did so many things. How could God say he was a man after his own heart? You know what? You know what David's greatest act of faith was? Obviously, he was in the flesh and out of out of faith and out of character when he looked down and saw Bathsheba bathing and told him to go get her and did what he did and then murdered her husband to cover it up. That was terrible. And he did a lot of bad things. But God didn't put him in this word to embarrass him, but to show them that just like in Hosea with Gomer, God loved him anyway. And David's greatest act of faith was simply pulling himself up by the bootstraps and having the courage and the strength to go back to God instead of running and hiding from God. To trust God and get back into covenant relationship with God. Just like forgiveness is a great draw on our faith. But we're compelled to do it. But if we're wise, we will never turn from God. We will always run to God because He didn't miss anything that we did. And He hasn't turned us away. His love is still unconditional. And what can hurt Him more than us staying away? Nothing. He already took into account everything that we would do. And He saved us anyway. We don't know why. He drew us to Himself. But we're thankful. And we know that we can take His Word to the bank. If God said it, that settles it. We are in covenant. We are blood-bought children of God. We are in covenant with Him. It's a contract. A, a binding legal agreement and God will not break His Word. He holds Himself accountable to His own Word. This world and universe were created by His Word and held together by His Word. He will not change it or break it just because of some silly thing that we did. And the way that we defeat the devil is by the word, just like Jesus did in Luke chapter 4. When he came up out of the desert, he, when he came up from being baptized, he went off into the desert for 40 days. And then he came in and he was hungry and he was worn out, of course, I'm sure. And the devil tempted him. And every time he tempted him, Jesus responded with the word of God. He resisted the devil and the devil fleed from him. That's the same promise that we have in the book of James. Isn't it? Because you have in the Holy of Holies within you, in that born again spirit, you have the mind of Christ, the faith of Christ. It's not, you don't have to conjure up some great faith. 
There is just faith. The measure of faith which is in you, which is the same measure of faith that Jesus had when He walked here on this earth. (coughs) He set aside all of His power and privileges that He had as God when He stepped down from His throne and was born in a manger. He became just like you and me. There's no evidence that He ever did a single miracle in His life before he was baptized and simultaneously baptized in the Holy Spirit. The same opportunity that all Christians have today. That's why he said, the things that I do, you will do also, and greater things than these you will do, because I go to the Father, and now he has sent the Holy Ghost. We need to learn to embrace the Holy Spirit, to fellowship with the Holy Spirit, to allow Him to lead us and guide us. God had the plan. Jesus paid for it. And the Holy Spirit Spirit leads us and empowers us to walk it out. But we need to embrace Him and, and fellowship with Him and call upon Him for everything in our lives. Holy Spirit, lead me today. Show me where I'm off. Show me where I'm right. Encourage me. Show me where you want me to go. I'm not going anywhere until you show me. I'm not doing anything until I hear from you. The peace of God is going to be the empire in my heart. And I'm going to take that as being you. If I don't have that peace, I'm I'm not going to be willing to move. And then when I do, if I choose wrong because I got in the flesh, or I thought it was you and I went wrong and it wasn't you, then the Lord, Holy Spirit... Make the course correction for me. I'm going to be listening. I'm going to be watching. I'm going to be, when I'm praying, I'm going to have my Bible there with me. And I expect you to highlight your word to me. To make it come alive. And and you're going to be the director. You're going to be the captain of this ship. I I turn over the wheel to you, Lord. I'm I'm sorry that I, I started steering again. You steer. Jesus, take the wheel. Amen. Father, thank You for Your love. Thank You that we are blood-bought children of God and that we have amazing rights and privileges through the promises of God. We have power and protection and provision from God. We thank You, Lord, for showing us how to draw upon these things that are on account for us in our born-again spirit. To come into agreement, to speak those things that are not as though they were. Believe that we have the things that we pray for when we pray, and we shall have them. We know that we pray anything according to your will, Father, you hear us, and we have the petitions of our prayers. And we thank you that you love us so much for leading and guiding us and protecting us in the shadow of your wings, Lord. We love you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.